Bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Well, I've been mulling this one over for some little while. And uh, it's um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. 18 to 22. And it talks about Paul saying that he was all things to all men. And I've, I've been considering this. Are we willing to be all things to all men? Are we willing to lay down our lives? for everyone. You see, I think in our lives we have no-go areas that we can't handle. We don't feel that we can go there because, maybe because of our past, maybe because of our, our thinking, maybe feel, because we don't feel comfortable in some things. But Paul says here, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself the servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that were under the law, as under the law, that I might gain those that were under the law. And then conversely, he says, to them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law of God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that... I might, by all means, save some. You see, the gospel has the power to change things and change people. But in order for it to be operational, we have to come alongside people. We have to be willing to lay aside our own feelings and our own contempt sometimes for the state of the world that is around us. But God does that in every aspect of the gospel. If we read about Jesus, we'll find that he always came down to the level of the people he was dealing with. He did not consider himself to be on a pedestal above anybody. He humbled himself and made himself of no reputation. That's what it says, doesn't it? Hallelujah. How much do we love our reputation? I know I'm, I'm very concerned about my reputation. <laughs> it's, always, it's always being denigrated by the, the devil the enemy of our souls. He makes up all sorts of rumours about me. 
And things come back to me that you wouldn't believe. How could they believe that about me? <laughs> I say to myself, how could they believe that about me? It's the complete opposite of what I am. <laughs> but it's the enemy. <laughs> you see, anything that comes against you, whatever it comes, form it comes in, or wh- whoever it comes through, is aimed at you because the devil hates you and it comes from the devil. It says all lies, all things that are not worth speaking about come from the devil. Hallelujah. So, you see, the reputation of Jesus was marred by what the, the devil put in people's hearts to say about him. But Jesus wasn't worried about that. And I, I thank God, to some extent, I'm not worried about it because I know what Jesus thinks of me and what the Lord thinks of me. And he is my justifier. Thank God for that. I don't have to justify myself. God will justify me. Hallelujah. Because he knows my heart. You don't know my heart, but he knows my heart. Hallelujah. He has my heart in his hands. Bless the Lord. So I thought we'd look at a few of the things that happened to Jesus. So if we could go to John chapter 8, verse 3 to 11. Doesn't it help you when you know when somebody uh, comes against you with something to know that it's only the enemy of your soul? Hallelujah. And that you've been uh, chosen to suffer for your stand in God. Hallelujah. So this is about the woman that was caught in adultery. And I love this story. I read it over and over again. Uh, I think I meditate on it and I think How did Jesus do that? He kept his mouth shut. (laughs) How do I keep my mouth shut? (laughs) Most difficult part of my life, I think, is keeping my mouth shut. I'll show you. (laughs) How many times do we say things that we regret? (laughs) But the thing is, you can't take it back once you've said it. So it makes you a little bit more cautious when you realise that you can't take it back and any harm you do as a result of your speaking off record, um, you can't change it. It's, it's casting stone, more or less. So here we go. Hallelujah. I've lost me a bit of paper there. With <laughs> okay, women and adultery. Here we go. And verse 3 of chapter 8 of John, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set him in her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that he might have to accuse him. They might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. 
When they continued asking, he, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and a woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No, one man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And that's wonderful, don't you think? He humbled himself. He didn't choose to judge her. He dealt with the matter without responding to their accusations. He dealt with the matter on the basis of their own sin and their own consciences. And this is a wonderful thing, I think. Jesus came down to the woman's level. The wonderful thing in daily life, Jesus always comes down to our level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, even the father who, who went out after the prodigal to bring him home, it blesses me to think that he went out to protect the son. He didn't see the prodigal as a prodigal. He saw him as a son. Hallelujah. And God doesn't see you as a prodigal. He sees you as a son. All the while. You're, once you're born of God, you are a son. It's irrevocable. God, once he does something, he makes something, it says in the scripture it's irrevocable. It can't be changed. Once you are born of the Spirit, nothing can take that away from you. I thank God for that today. The, that's what the, the prodigal son teaches us. That when he, he saw his circumstances and saw his father's house, he said to himself, I will go home to my father. And the moment he said that, and the moment he left the pigsty, God rushed out to bring him home and to preserve him. Because just imagine, as he was coming home, how all the neighbours would have thought about him. But he didn't come home in his clothes that he were in the pigsty. He came home in the robes. He had shoes for his feet. He had a ring on his finger. He came back as a son. Isn't that wonderful? If you're a prodigal, God is waiting to give you the, the robe of righteousness again. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. He says, in the Old Testament, it says, God is married to the backslider, to the prodigal. Isn't that wonderful to know that God is married to us once we are born of the Spirit? Hallelujah. Isn't God good to us? Well, let's go somewhere else and look. Hallelujah. The woman that was the well, we're in uh, John chapter 4, in verse 4. 
This always uh, amazes me what, what the scripture says. And he miss, must needs go through Samaria. I wonder why he needed to go through Samaria. I think he needed to go through, through Samaria to see this woman. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was therefore the sixth hour. Now, Jesus was in what, what you might call a foreign country. Samaria wasn't a place where the Jews were looked upon with any favour. Um, and he came and he sat on a well. Uh, he brought himself down to the level of the people there because uh, the well was the centre of um, all the goings-on in the towns. Everybody used to have to go there at some point in the day to get water. That's the big advantage of sitting on a well. When we used to do open airs in South End, we always did the open air uh, on the seafront right next to the toilets. Because <laughs> when you are right next to the toilet, the whole world goes by within a three-hour meeting. Uh, open air meeting, you see everybody that's local to that spot. They go by, they go by, and there's an opportunity for the gospel to be preached outside the toilet. It's a necessity, and it was a necessity for anybody in that town to come and draw water at some point. And we all know the story how this woman came and drew water, and Jesus spoke with her. Now, Jesus didn't speak with her about high, high theology. He talked about the water, which she came for. And out of all that conversation, Jesus was able to place something in her heart that changed the whole circumstance of that town of Samaria. We read, if we read it on, I won't read it all because it, it, it takes quite a while. But we find that she is re-energized. She comes to see that Jesus is the Messiah. She comes to see that he is the one God has sent. Now, Jesus didn't reveal himself to all the Pharisees who he was. They, they, he kept a guessing game going with them. But this woman, he told her plainly that he was the Messiah, God, the one that God had sent. And the wonderful thing was... It touched her so much that she went off and evangelized the whole of the town. Um, she brought them all to Jesus. And not only did she bring them to Jesus, it didn't have one conversation. He stayed for a whole day preaching to him and telling about his father. Now, I, I believe, and I have always believed since I was filled with the Spirit, that God is going to pour out His Spirit in this town of Basildon. And the thing about it is, it takes us to be willing to go out there and take the Gospel to the people around this town. I believe it only takes one person to be transformed, to transform a whole town. 
it's just, that's God. You know, uh, uh, I think it was um, sw- Cross and Switchblade that in uh, New York, it changed the whole town. That guy, Nicky, whatever his name was, was it Nicky? Does anybody know his, the rest of his name? Hmm? Yeah, he got saved and he touched the whole town. That's a mar- marvellous thing, isn't it? We think that we've got to go out and get the whole town saved, but it, it's not like that. It's the power of God being spread abroad through a simple act of us humbling ourselves and coming alongside people. I'm a great believer in coming alongside people in their need. That not not, doesn't mean you've got to meet their need. You've got to introduce them to somebody who can meet their need. This is the whole business. We think we've got to do social work in order to get people saved. This is not a social work. This is the work of the gospel. Hallelujah. It's a bit like the African uh, situation when there's a famine. Do you keep feeding them forever or do you give them seed to sow? And the means of cultivation their own ground to make them self-sufficient. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel. It makes people self-sufficient. They are they have the truth, they have the knowledge, they have the relationship with God, which can make them fruitful and can change their whole lives around. And this is the wonderful thing about the gospel and about Jesus. He all he did was come alongside people. Right, left, and centre, he was doing that. Now, there was a man named Zacchaeus, wasn't there? <laughs> it always amazes me. He didn't see, think God could see him. But Jesus called him by name and said, I'm coming, as uh, the Sunday school song says, I'm coming to your house for tea. <laughs> and he turned up. Jesus turned up at Zacchaeus' house. Now, he had all the critics all around him. It says in verse 7 of uh, Luke's Gospel, of, verse, of chapter 19. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He came down out of the tree. <laughs> and when they saw it, they all murmured. Do people murmur when you get uh, when you get carried away and you come along seeing people saying that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner? Hallelujah. How do you get sinners saved if you don't go and be a guest with a man who is a sinner? Hallelujah. You know, uh, in my early days as a Christian, we were taught in our church at the time that we shouldn't, if we're on the beach, we should only stay with the Christians. We shouldn't mix with anybody else because that wasn't holy, you know. That's how it was, wasn't it, Shirley? You remember? We were taught that sort of stuff. You see, there is no... God will not allow division between um, his people and the sinner. God is more interested in the sinner than he is in the saved. Doesn't it say in the scripture where it, 
He said he would go for the one and leave the 99. Hallelujah. That's a God that we have. He is interested in the sinner. He is interested enough to go and pull him off the mountain and bring him down, bring him home. Hallelujah. And how much more should we be considered the same? We should go in all circumstances and situations and be the bridge for people to come to know Jesus and to know his love. So I don't think I'm, I'm going to go on any longer. I just need to uh, thank God for his power in this sort of situation. I hope we can realise that every day we get an opportunity to come alongside somebody. We may not like what they're doing. We may not like their conversation. We may not like them swearing. But, and things like other things. We may not like the, their lifestyle. But we are able, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Gospel, to bring change. And if they don't see it in us, they won't see it in anybody else. Hallelujah. We have a great responsibility, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. To break down the barriers. Hallelujah. Not be limited in who we will talk to and who we will interface with and who we will help. We, you, we don't know, like I said, we don't know what God can do through us being obedient to him. See, that's why Paul was saying, he was everything to all men. All means all, not just some. And there are some situations that I find almost impossible to get alongside people on. But I'm being changed. I don't know about you. And I think the one thing the Christian church needs now is to be changed. Their attitude needs to be changed. There's too much holier than thou going on. We need to be down to earth with the gospel. Because it's the only thing that will change people. Hallelujah. The only thing that's changed me, I know I've changed, I'm not sure. <laughs> she always brings me back to earth. <laughs> but I have changed. I'm still changing. After all these years, I'm still changing. Things are falling off. And I don't mean physically, I mean spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's wonderful, isn't it? This opportunity that God has given us to, to go and share what God has done in our lives. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Hallelujah. It can change every situation. Amen. Hallelujah. Is there anybody who wants to testify how God is changing them? Hallelujah. Are you comfortable in your walk with God? Are you comfortable? I don't think God wants us to be comfortable in our walk with God. He wants to, he wants to keep us moving on. I thought when I was retired that I would probably, that would be the, the last of it. But I, the more I go on with God, the more I find out what he wants. Hallelujah. And we do go through trials. We do go through trials. We do. Because sometimes 
we are stubborn. and We won't allow God to take us on a path that we don't feel comfortable with. Hallelujah. But if we get stuck in, the, in, our, in a groove, we'll go nowhere with God. God is constantly changing us through the power of his Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I feel a lot better. Thank you for leading us in that. <coughs> Breaking the bread, my brother. I feel a lot better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel a lot better. Hallelujah. It works. We used to have a saying, this gospel works. Hallelujah. It's a working man's gospel. Hallelujah. I used to have a little New Testament. It was, it was the working man's New Testament. I used to carry it everywhere um, so that I could share the word. Hallelujah. You don't seem to be able to buy them now. You can't buy a working man's New Testament. They're all posh now. <laughs> well, 